0: Welcome to the WA Property Q&A, the podcast where I explore the ins and outs of buying property in Western Australia. I'm your host, Peter Fletcher, and each week I interview local property experts to help you to develop a deep understanding of the nuances of buying property in WA. From market trends to legal considerations, no topic is off limits. But before we dive in, a friendly reminder, while we provide valuable information it's important to note that nothing discussed in this podcast should be construed as personal investment advice. Always remember to seek the appropriate professional advice for your specific circumstances. Now, let's get started and unlock the secrets to successful property buying in WA. Welcome to the another edition of the WA Property Q&A podcast. My guest today is one of the real estate industries. I'm going to say rising stars and uh, Kiara is the founder of Green Gurus is a senior uh, sustainability consultant, is a buyer's agent with uh, owning her own agencies, principal director of Community West Real Estate and is one of the newly minted members of REWA Council. So congratulations on that, Kiara. Thank That's a huge effort.
1: Thank yeah. you so much. I'm very excited about the appointment. And yeah, just helping like you are with your through your episodes, sharing information with fellow colleagues in the industry. And also hopefully, you know, people who either rent or own their own homes or investment properties, just sharing information is, you know, really important. And I mean, twenty seven years in real estate, you've been around maybe a bit longer than me. Yeah, I think, you know, it's now time to give back. My passion is also quality homes that Mm -hmm. we should all be living in. So, uh, you know, I've gone down the road of learning for the last 15 years in that sustainability space and doing a master's in sustainable sustainability studies, primarily around housing, uh, but also around corporate social responsibility.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So what what dragged you down the master's path? Because that's a serious... S- some serious study there.
1: Especially as an adult learner who didn't go to uni, right? So, right. I mean, we've been delivering education workshops and I've learnt how to become an educator myself. And, yeah, I suppose I, my pathway was I own my own real estate agency at 26 and prior to that I was a director with a lovely um, colleague of mine. I decided I wanted to become a property developer. So where best I found Curtin University, there was a number of uh, really important courses in the Curtin Business School, which I felt were of high calibre, and I really wanted to do it. So, you know, as a licensee, what do you do next? Can sell real estate, can build a property management round, you know. But I actually wanted to get into property development. So it was actually two years into my three-year degree slash masters, because uh, it was turning into a masters for that. That they actually had to secure a overseas lecturer to fly them in to actually present on this thing called Green Buildings. Now, this is 2006. So here I am sitting in the room going, what is he talking about? Because I didn't quite even cotton on at all prior um, about efficiency. I knew quality and what wasn't because, of course, we represent properties and um, um, value add that. But, yeah, the Green Building, you know, the niche market that was coming, Peter, Australia had just really started to embrace just the Green Building Council uh, over the East Coast, had just started their their efforts uh, in the commercial sector, um, and so and my heart and soul is residential. So I thought, wow, this is a niche. What do I have to do now? And I jumped across uh, the walkway to the humanities department, and and they had just set up. So again, funny thing how life works and luck. They had just started a new Curtin University Sustainability Policy Institute, and in fact, some of the leading West Australian, if not national professors, had moved over from another university to Curtin, and I was one of the first 10 students in that new department. And yeah, I finished off my other degree and coupled it with this newfound knowledge and went, this just makes sense. Money as well. Mm -hmm. Why is nobody doing it? You know, after I got blessed with two and a half years of doing a master's, I needed to help the real estate sector, on board them on this journey. And um, yeah, so I've I've had different roles in the, in that seat. So I've been the head of sustainability at a very large, one of Australia, West Australia's biggest apartment builders. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually were a developer and builder all in the same house. So it actually was timely to actually step in and change their whole way that they were designing and building. My role there was just to help get them started. Uh, on a three year journey, uh, as well as help train their selling agents and marketing crew about the points of difference and how to value add that off the plan. And also, of course, um, when they were finished.
0: Mm-hmm. What year were you at? Um, you mentioned 2006 is when you started. So you were in, when When were you in humanities in?
1: Uh, 2010 11, I finished.
2: Okay.
0: Hmm.
1: Yes, yeah, so two thousand and eight, nine, ten, uh, and then eleven. So it was two and a half year hmm. around for that course. But I was intense. I did it intensive. I was doing four units every wow, yeah, semester. But also running a ship. And when you do solo as a sole trader, um, you know you take on what you can mm, mm, with your clients. Mm. So it
0: worked. I've uh, I've also have a fascination with this whole idea of sustainable homes, and I sort. Th- kind of think that they're sustainable homes and we'll say that w- for want of a better word is uh, they're just more comfortable homes is that is that fair to say
1: it's absolutely one of the most important aspects of a better designed energy efficient home is that they're actually more comfortable to live in mm-hmm. and this is primarily those living areas it's not just you know it's not your bedrooms it's mm-hmm. where you live most of the time with your partner yourself your dog, or your family,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's that that sort of orientation in terms of its design, and then, of course, it's the building materials that you know and how insulated it is, and if uh, obviously um, you've got natural sunlight when you need it most, mm-hmm. seasons that we need it most, and protecting the heat coming into the house when you don't want it, mm-hmm. which is peak of summer. Mm. So it's simple design. As well as some improvements in the building materials that really makes that home comfortable.
0: Talk us wise. talk us through what are those design principles that would make a home more comfortable?
1: So, and let me just add to the comfort. So, there's three main things I point to. So, there's comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and which which ultimately delivers a more livable home. Mm-hmm. But there's also um, the reduction cost from turning on your heating and cooling. And also, yeah, I mean, if we were to go to a, f- through a list of things for a new build, it would be about design. So, you know, your orientation, where you place your main zone living areas, um, where you place your glazing. So glazing a window is really, really important. How big that is and where it's placed, uh, preferably not in east or west. But of course, when you're living on the beach, it'll be west facing glazing. So it's how do you optimise that? Um, and then, of course, it's a whole range of things in terms of um, the, the, the building materials. So you've got your insulation properties, you know, what building materials do you use mm-hmm. that suit that climate uh, best? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you look at um, the mechanical system, so, you, you know, you're, you've got also some big ticket items in terms of your energy demand, which is your hot water systems and your heating and cooling systems. So if you get the design right, that's the first step. Seven-star home is a winner. Six-star is the minimum standard, but if you can get to seven or even eight, depending um, of the cost benefits, then that's a good start. The next thing is, of course, what do you actually bolt onto that house to make it run the way you want it with the hot water system? And of course, your heating and cooling systems, your insulation in your roof and also in your walls.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Let's talk mainly about established residential because that's our bread and butter. That's what we play with most, most times. So somebody is like one of you, one of your clients, uh, is, is walking through, uh, or you're looking at a, at a property for, uh, you know, like somebody who's going to live in the property. Yep. What are the, th- what are the things that you're looking for that would make it a, like a more comfortable, more livable home?
1: So things that I can see. And things that I can't see Mm -hmm. is, is, but I start with the things that I can see. So it's that orientation of the living rooms. Where is north? Where's that natural sunlight coming from?
0: Mm -hmm. So north facing living areas, uh,
1: like top of the was. Absolutely. But There's a whole segment of our built form Mm -hmm. residential that is not orientated correctly. A hundred
0: percent. Yeah. It's almost impossible to get it. Well, every now and then you will get it and. And it's just luxury. Um, you can but-
1: rezone rooms, right? So you can knock out walls and sort of rezone rooms mm-hmm. to retrofit. So the retrofitting space is really exciting. So that's basically fixing up what we've got. Yeah, re-
0: retrofitting is like it. It's it sounds great, but it's very
1: expensive. No, no, no. I I think I think you've got to put expense in a um, into perspective because, right, okay. you know, and it depends on who you are. What is it for? Is it for you and your family? And you're going to live in it for a long time. So mm-hmm. like you would a renovation or an addition or whatnot, you know, you'd figure out what you can afford. But inserting some of the basics first. So with an existing home, it is primarily insulation and draft proofing that I go for first. That's a low medium hanging fruit. Right? Okay. And it's low medium cost, depending on how big your roof space is. Mm-hmm. And draft proofing's easy, right? Especially in the older homes. Is it? It's, yep. You just have to go to Bunnings and get some draft proofing and spend a little bit of time to put the draft proofing material in those wooden, you know, doors or sashes. So, okay. I, I, and around your doors, your door frames and the like. So there's that's something. We can...
0: we have a 1950s home. All right. Um, I would say that it leaks like a sieve. Mm. Uh,
1: in the floors as well. Probably. Yeah. There are. In the last five years of the last 20 years, um, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of new innovative kind of um, applications for um, insulation and also uh, uh, materials to mm-hmm. use as insulation. So currently, let's say, for example- um, so,
0: so can I just interrupt there, Caro? So it sounds like insulation is number one. Uh,
1: for me, it's the big one.
0: And, and can I ask, um, what is the minimum insulation standard? That
1: well- for, for new builds, it's up now. Well, it depends on what star rating you want. Mm-hmm. So if you want a high star rating, you go for four to five mm-hmm. um, R values. So, But, yeah, if you go into an existing home, get in the rooftop and see insulation there, maybe the, the house was built in the 80s, it's probably unlikely it's been changed. Um, and if it has, it's only been changed maybe once or twice max. Mm. So insulation does degrade over time, right? So you do have to change it up. Okay. So, yeah. So
0: how yeah. how how old is, is old insulation that needs to be changed?
1: Well, I've, I've seen, I've been in rooftops, you know, that have had 25-year insulation. It depends too because what else has been living up there, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. insulation compacts, you know, over time mm-hmm. and that's what it, it reduces its efficiency. Um, there's actually another word for it. But um yeah. So, and if there's other things happening and then you've got your, you know, your Electrician up there ten years ago, putting yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. and then down trample on it and they, uh, yeah. they rip it apart. and yep. remove it and yep. And uh, there's
1: issues with that too because yeah, there's fire issues with putting insulation in around those. Those down lights are a big boo boo for me, and it's very easy to retrofit. But
0: so, so I did, uh, as you know, I did one of your courses. In fact, I've done two of your courses. I love them so much. I'm right. a huge fan. And uh, after the last one. I thought, right, I'm going to um, uh, replace the insulation Mm. in our roof Mm. because I'm, you know, it was like 30 plus years old Mm. and replaced it with, uh, I got the people around and uh, they gave me a quote for R4 and I thought, oh, it's not quite going to do the the job. Mm. And they go, well, it's it's an X amount extra for R5 and it was substantially more, yeah, it was substantially more expensive for R5. And then he said, but you can go for R6 for only a little bit extra on top of the R5. And I went, well, let's go for R6. So I've been. Ins- you,
1: you weren't being sold. Well, you know, sales can it, always be <laughs> sold too, right?
0: It's a, yeah. Cause
1: he might not have had it in stock or something. I've never I, heard of that before.
0: I don't, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we we ended up with R6 in our in our ceiling and R6 is is i don't know it's it's about 300 mil thick and now when you get up in our, our roof space it's just like you cannot move up there like you literally cannot move and i i wish the the next electrician that steps into our roof the best of luck
1: wow mm. yes you had a you have a choice you made a choice um i don't think you need to go that to that level but I ask you, going back to your question about comfort or your point around comfort, because that's number one, yeah. cost savings come a little bit down the track. Mm-hmm. Did, have you felt, or maybe you haven't been through the, a full summer yet? We have. Okay. So yeah. how? what's the difference been for you?
0: Uh, how has there been? I, I think there's a difference. I, d- I don't know whether it's me trying to justify Spending, I think, it was four grand or something yeah. uh, on insulation. On how big? is And houses is a small home. Well, I think we got uh, stitched, but anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, look, I, it it definitely has serves its purpose because it basically prevents that heat load coming into the mm. house, and also also heat from shifting if it's in winter too. Don't forget that. Yes. Have you got ceiling fans because they are magic?
0: Yes. Ceiling fans. So that's something else we installed um, following your Good. course. Yep. Yes.
1: Yep. Um, in fact, ceiling fans actually uh, do add a part to the star rating. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're wanting to retrofit or do an extension to a home, and you need to retrofit the front as well, yeah, you know, you need to look at the whole the whole house for its star rating out of mm. ten. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, the fans do play a part for that star rating as well because they actually do physically change that comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bang on about insulation. Um, there's also insulation you can actually have retrofitted into walls that are east-west facing that need it. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you need a little bit of a test of your walls for the heat gain in the peak of summer to actually find out if it is actually worth it. Mm-hmm. But you can. And Sid too, who's our I call him a resident architect of Green Gurus. He's been collaborating with us for over 10 years now as a guest lecturer. He is also um, a registered architect, but he does a lot of retrofits and um, renovations extensions, uh, and he thinks it's a, a wonderful option for homeowners, fixing what you've got before you start to really put an investment into your extension.
0: So there's other ways of uh, of protecting walls from the sun, and that is like putting some sort of like screening from the sun? Yeah,
1: an awning or, you know, you can do do fancy things these days. But to be honest with you, trees are ideal. Mm. And of course, you know, water-wise gardens. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you've got beautiful native gardens around Perth. And it's really been, you know, there's been a lot more focus. So consumer awareness has gone through the roof in the last five of my 15 years in this space. And I'm, you know, still potentially considered a newcomer. Yep. Um, there's veterans that I work with that have been trying to, you know, uh, affect change around energy efficiency and smart design for a lot much longer than I have. But I have noticed a, quite a big difference in awareness and people opting in to improve their energy efficiency before they even put solar on the rooftops. Because yeah. it's, not, it's a no-brainer, right? Um, you reduce your demand to optimize your investment in that solar. Now we talk about payback periods. So solar is what I call a bolt-on because it basically, it's bolted on, doesn't add comfort, Mm -hmm. of course, but it does reduce that cost ongoing. But you need to get the house right so that you don't need to turn on systems to then optimise that solar. And then you put a battery storage in and then it's ultimately a good thing. But payback periods these days for five, six kilowatts is around two and a half years because it's gotten so cheap. So that's Something that I think has become a bit of a norm now, people, I mean, 40, nearly 50%, so 49, last time I checked, uh, percent of residential houses in Western Australia have solar PV. That's almost half, that's huge. And yeah, I mean, government could probably do more with their stock to look at ways of optimising and putting solar, if you like, but probably getting their their Mm. houses probably better. More comfortable
2: mm-hmm.
1: as well. Um, so yeah.
0: So my brother just had uh, solar installed. He's an electrician. Oh, yeah. Um, he's had solar installed on uh, on the roof of uh, his home, and uh, I phoned him up. And I said, "Tim, what, what do you think?" And he said, "Complete waste of money." <laughs> How big did he go? Well, I don't know. I'm I'm imagining that he went pretty big. You know, five. Uh, but you can optimise uh, it to six. It you know, he's you'd have no reason to go go small. Uh He means only only small. Yeah. Um. And uh. Yeah. He he said uh, just hasn't had any significant impact on their their electricity Tell bill. Him to
1: call me. I'll come down and have a look. Depends on how far he is around Perth, but I do energy audits, so <laughs> right. I can go and have a look at his bills. If he can send me his bills, I'll have a look at them. Yeah. Okay. The last twelve months and just see. Then obviously it's probably best to see the house because there could be inefficiencies there. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh,
0: and uh, somebody else uh, that, uh, that um, does solar installations, he said that it's probably got something to do with the the tariff that he's on.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Tariffs have come and gone and changed. I couldn't even point to tariffs. I direct everyone to the synergy website because every 1st of July something changes it would seem mm-hmm. um so yes he should look at peak shoulder so
0: so yeah. that the key point there is um that y- y- you're saying that like uh PVCs are just a no-brainer should be installed on everything um and and the payback is Pretty quick, yeah, or should be pretty quick. Benefits, yeah,
1: it's a no-brainer. PVs, photovoltaic systems, I think have gotten a lot better as well. You know, I always look also what's going to happen at the end of pipe. So, you know, one of my interests in the sustainability field is what do we do at the end of life mm-hmm. of all this tech. So that's going to be interesting. Um, the stewardship of manufacturers, um, mm. even with Electric vehicle batteries, uh, you know, they're estimating ten to twelve years. Eight on efficiency. Um, when you start to see that start to go down, so what are they going to do about that to then take unplug that battery and then fit yeah, and put a new one 100%, in? Hundred percent. Yeah. What do, do with the old because at least with a
0: petrol engine or a diesel engine, there was like they've got well looked after. They they run for a very long time. Like it's not unusual to see a. A 15-, 20 year old car driving around, of you know, the, the old Mitsubishi Sigmas. They used to smoke a bit, but uh, you know, leaving those aside, you know, there's there's some some very old diesel engines that do not have to find their way onto a, a scrap heap.
1: My husband converted an old Land Cruiser, which is I think seventy something, into mm. a fish and chip oil. So he used to make used to go pick up the fish and chip oil, convert it into. Fire fuel and stick it in his car. Really, it did smell of fish and chips <laughs> as it was going Whoa. out. Leadable, but um, ah, uh, the streets are leadable. But yeah, it's um, it look, you know, those old cars have a. But we shouldn't just be throwing them out. There's a life on mm, existing mm, ones we have, mm, uh, and that's that transition. Mm, it will take time mm, for us to transition out of, and we shouldn't just throw things out just because the new yeah. fandangles have come in to town.
0: Back to yep. um, design. You mentioned, so insulation is number one. Yeah. And then you mentioned uh, draft proofing.
1: Yeah, draft proofing for for retrofit, easy to do, cheap Mm -hmm. as you can actually put, you can put insulation under the floorboards. So the older homes that that I inspect, you know, you can seal it up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think also, you know, what you you commented on about landscaping is really important, Mm -hmm. what you put down and where you put it because it actually will stop heat gain mm-hmm. from actually entering that the house. So, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest issue is the retrofit space. I mean, design's pretty much sorted with star ratings for the National Construction Code. You, you cannot, there's a minimum standard, minimum mm. yeah. six. It's not six star Isn't and it's fantastic, the, right?
0: Aren't some yeah. builders fudging the system, though? They're, they,
1: they're, there, there is, and I don't get into that conversation because I'm not technically savvy, but I do work with a whole lot of people who know the ins and outs of that. I also work with the CSIRO um, Energy, I suppose you can call it the department there, who run the Nathurst. We've done some projects together. We've recently done one for the Department of Communities using one of the new pilot tools from CSIRO to analyse the energy efficiency and provide a star rating of existing housing stock. And that's where we're headed. Mm -hmm. So onboarding real estate agents is really important to get them in the know of how to identify those features Mm -hmm. and there's the Livability um, Framework identifies 17 features and I think that's a good number. Mm -hmm. I I know all of them. I assess Mm -hmm. homes using the Livability Framework tool, Mm -hmm. which is actually um, originally came out of LJ Hooker, developed it, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. R&D. Then they started to use it across all branches across Australia, New Zealand. And then CSIRO actually bought them. CSIRO bought that particular, sorry, that particular tool and the data. And they are onboarding and training real estate agents to be able to identify that. But you can do it with our two-page Green Gurus checklist, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which real estate agents in WA can download very easily for free from REWA.
0: Yeah, um, that is uh, that livability index, I think it's called, um, is a really useful tool. It's, It's simple for agents to use. The thing is that I have never seen anyone use it, Kiara. I've like I, I've literally not seen anyone market a home using that 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 tool. Which I, I, I think Have you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and some LJ Hooker personnel have. Which I, I
0: think is a bit sad mm. in in some ways, but I think it speaks mm. to the kind of the lack of demand for livable homes, and it's not that that people don't like that they're livable and wouldn't want it if they had it but it's more like there's going to be 17 offers on this place you either take it or or you don't oh. and you know you pay 50 grand more than the asking price and be happy about it and sure.
1: but you know I have to say this and this is what I say to agents that if they want to get listings they've got to know more about the houses that they're appraising right mm. because the seller If they can value add those features and they can walk through a home with some sort of checklist, even if it's in their head or if it's a two-page simple form, just to in that half an hour or even 15 minutes that we walk through and do appraisals, we need to get them on site. We need to be on the top of the list to Mm. be appointed as the listing agent. Now, to do that is to identify points of interest, points of difference, understanding, of course, what we already know. Everyone, all the real estate agents are all pretty much the same. How do you differentiate yourself? You know a little bit more about the houses that you're actually praising, marketing and selling to get that listing and then to be able to sell and, and value those aspects and then sell those aspects on the price, based on the price
2: mm.
1: to the buyers. 16 offers, or one offer. You're trying to secure the best outcome for the seller as a listing agent. Mm. As a buyer's agent, I actually do my own assessment because I know how to and that's why I have been continuously and thankfully with the support of Rewa, who have been supporting us for like 10 of our 15 years of existence. Mm. Prior to that, it was mayors. Mayors across a number of local councils said, Chiara, what do you want us to do? Like, What can we do to help you get more agents understanding and valuing the sustainability energy efficient homes? Mm. Because we are delivering them. It's part of our policy now that developers or builders or mum and dads who want to do rent renovations um, or you know subdivisions need to up the energy efficiency standard of mm. the built form mm. and we need to you know make sure if all parties are part of this transition and one of the most important parties i believe are the real estate agents yeah mm. so if you want to win more listings you know more about the product that you're listing if you want to sell at the market value you need to know more about the properties that you is, is this
0: something that the these sales training gurus from the eastern states would say?
1: Which ones are you talking about?
0: Oh, I can't, I'm not going to name names, oh, okay. but I'm sure you can Look, picture, to, picture to, to a couple. Honest,
1: yeah, to be honest, we are just on the cusp. The Real Estate Institute of Australia mm-hmm. uh, have just this week and I think next week they're presenting on launch the new – because one of their pillars is based on sustainability because they see the future coming. They need their member, Federated States, to be aware because that's their job. And then Federated States, the other institutes, including REWA, are now fully engaged in understanding that energy efficiency is actually going to be part of the conversation, whether we like it or not, mm-hmm. because it is. Um, there's a bigger game to play here. So there's carbon emissions from this country that need to be reduced, and a huge amount of it uh, is from the building sector the sorry the built form mm, mm. of which residential play about 11% of that so 11% of carbon emissions so, emissions so and those stats were about 4 years old right we haven't yet got the latest stats on that but we need to hit government induced targets mandated and you trick it all trickle it all through and down mm. it rests within sectors can you
0: foresee a day where we will have um Mandatory um, Natters, uh, and and perhaps before you answer that question, you could explain what Natters is. But could you could foresee uh, the day where we'll have mandatory Natters reports on? Like properties for sale that before they go to the market, yep. as so, part of the you know disclosure documents, could you see that?
1: Yes, I do see that, and I do know it's coming. I'm confident of it, and I'll explain wow. why. Mm. So, getting back to Naters Nat National mm-hmm. Energy Efficiency Rating Scheme, so Naters mm-hmm. H, Home Energy Rating Scheme is what that means, and basically it is star ratings mm-hmm. for new builds. Existing builds currently don't have that requirement mandated, but for the last since 2011, the Council of Australian Governments are all signed up to what was called the trajectory to low energy and carbon homes, and there was talk um, that we would each state would introduce mandatory disclosure upon sale or lease of residential property. Uh, to better inform consumers about what the energy burden is, if you like, or the energy efficiency is of that home. Um, The ACT have had this introduced since 1999. And so it's been the longest running globally. And a lot of other countries have already followed suit where people are better informed and it's basically not just a better informed consumer, but it's also improving the overall efficiency of the housing stock. Mm-hmm. Simply by it being identified, you don't have to retrofit it or increase energy efficiency upon sale or lease, but it's certainly identifying them. Much like you know the demolition homes that you, know, you either renovate or detonate, mm. it's going to be, okay, well, this one's less efficient than that one. And there's a consideration. Now, they've already done, there's a lot of indicators to show that the value proposition of a more efficient home, a higher star valued home is higher. mm mm-hmm. Domain even got onto it. The realestate.com have their own research hubs, as you know, within their um, organisations. And they've done full analysis recent on the value proposition paid at point of sale, Mm -hmm. even for the general stock, not just necessarily the ACT stock um, that has been, you know, has had this mandatory disclosure for a very long time 20 plus years. So the trajectory. is still in existence, and I sit as a as part of the residential energy efficiency committee, which is sixty three odd stakeholders that inform mandatory disclosure, potential, and other aspects of energy efficiency in that trajectory for residential buildings. And we meet once every sort of two three months on it. Yeah, okay. and it informs the energy ministers about how best to go ahead with this.
0: Can I just say that? Are you expecting pushback from from real estate agents?
1: I think back in 2011, I think we even had a big forum on it. Um, Neville Posse. We discussed little breakout groups about what the repercussion would be. Energy efficiency wasn't understood. Sustainability wasn't even a word. There was no training or education at that time, and there was pushback primarily two fronts. One is, will there be a cost burden? to homeowners hmm. to, to get it done and what's it going to look like at end of pipe when we represent it is it going to reduce the, the value of that house so those two are, are fair comments but i say when you look at homes that are already uh general stock that we have to list and sell or represent to our buyers they're you know they're either going to be detonated or you know or renovated or brought up to standard so the cost burden there is evident you know do you want your granite bench top for your new kitchen or you know what what kind of level of improvement do you want the energy efficiency aspect is another opportunity to improve with numbers so it's measured so you're not just throwing money at stuff mm. that you know if you want to go to a higher stars let's say let's just say we're at mandatory disclosure you know and Let's say a whole bunch of houses that we sell are, are two star. They've been rated at two or three star. You know, this is potentially a really great home to retrofit to a higher standard. When you do renovation, look at maybe investing a little bit more on your energy efficiency aspects, so your you know hot water systems or your insulation properties or rezoning rooms, so that you can actually build that up. So. Ultimately, it's actually better informing what you should actually be doing to improve the house in the first place. Uh,
0: I'm certainly not um, arguing against mandatory disclosure. I, I think it's a great idea. The issue I see is that for a long time, uh, I've thought that uh, the compulsory disclose, uh, a disclosure statement of some kind should be attached to every listing and every offer and acceptance so that people know what they're buying. But there has not been the political will to get that done, and so uh, the, the very few contracts that we see have any sort of disclosure uh, I mean, attached and that to them. Just
1: enhances our risk. Like I mean, we're 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 at risk by being uninformed.
0: So some agents would say it actually goes the other way that you, we we would rather we not would know. rather not know. Well,
1: that's that's and, changed with fiduciary.
0: Well, they're they're saying that there's some things in those in those disclosure sta- statements that can't be known. One of which is uh, septic tanks. You know, fifty year old home. I have no clue uh, whether there's septic tanks in in the in the backyard. None. Emission. You know, yeah. Should be on record. They're, but they're, but and they're not. Uh, so that so,
1: land, the landgate uh, Property interest S- report does work to try and ensure that. Whatever, state knows, yeah, whatever, the, knows. whatever
0: the state knows. Yeah, whatever the state knows. Yeah, but, oh, Before, that's... I know, yeah. I know, archived. Yeah, yeah. 70, I, I yeah. get all
1: that. But I think looking to the future.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think that it's a... If you can get this done, or if, if the government can get it done with your assistance, I think it'll be a massive shift in the th- collective thinking uh, around residential property and it'll be kudos to you.
1: Look, I, 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 There's, I am, I'm a passionate advocate. It mm. certainly doesn't sit on my shoulders. There's a whole lot of people more important than me that actually are um, working on this to ensure we understand the cost benefits and the risk. Um, so there's, you know, risk impact statement around that nationally uh, to look at what the pros, cons, and everything. I mean, it's not just a thought bubble. This has been going around for a long time. As a real estate agent, I feel if I have the information provided me and I attach it to the contract, I am not liable. Mm. That information has flowed from one party to the other. And um, by law or currently by just because I asked the question or I could look into it or I don't look into it, that information flows or not. So for me, it reduces my risk. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's risk mitigation by providing more insight. Now, one other thing is, Termite inspections and building inspection reports are a bloody standard, and we all know it. We put it on all our contracts most of the time, sixteen offers or not, and they are a standard that consumers expect because it protects their rights. It's written to, thanks to REWA, providing those documents of a calibre of law that you know is correct to Mm. to WA property law. So adding a Another aspect, and we're not talking a lot of cost here in the ACT, a report for energy efficiency to get an energy efficiency assessor in is anywhere between 200 and 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean the same goes with termite inspection reports here in WA depends on how big you are and where you're at in terms of location, but anywhere up to six seven, eight hundred dollars is a termite and building inspection report. Now as a consumer, I would want to know what the energy efficiency rating is of this house that I'm about to buy. Mm-hmm. So I'm better informed about what I could do to improve it or can I compare it with a lemon? Is it a lemon Mm -hmm. or is the other one down the road that's asking 20 grand more a lemon? Mm. And I'm not going to buy that one if I'm going to have a better efficient designed home. That's proof because it's been assessed correctly by a trained, accredited energy efficiency assessor, much like the builders that do the structure reports. There's
0: going to be someone will argue that in the same way as the seller doesn't do the building inspection, the structural report. Sure. The buyer
1: does, pays for it.
0: Yeah, that the buyer has to pay for the 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 Natter's report. We don't
1: know which way that will be yeah. in and, the end.
0: And it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shame because it's all about professional indemnity insurance. Because if the seller has completes the structural report and something is found defective the buyer has no recourse against the, the, the inspector. Um, and in the and, name. and uh, well, yeah, but it's a, it's a bit of a shame that, that somebody hasn't come up with some legislation that allows that, Spot on. bridges the gap.
1: Spot on. And I would dare say that will definitely be under the lens mm. because it makes common sense what you've just said, you know, in terms of having some sort of legislative change to regs in, in terms of ownership. Or transference Mm. of liability or not, you know. um, Mm. But yes, I think that's a really good point to make. And I think that'll all be part of um, when we do transition. So you look at other countries in the world and they're already doing this. So ACT are by a far mile on a lot of fronts in front, because they probably have to be seeing, you know, being the capital, the leader. We probably need to, to get on with it. Now, going back to the Real Estate Institute of Australia. And the federated states, they're all onboarding. Some states are doing a little bit more around educating and informing the real estate members. REWA have been doing this for a decade plus through the partnership with Green Gurus, primarily because I'm a real estate agent and I care, but also I kind of know the point of difference and I want my other colleagues to identify those points of difference because everyone's a winner, even them. And that's all about what I was saying before when I started, I love to share. So if I can share some good stuff, I'll share it Mm -hmm. um, for the betterment of the whole. It's just my motivation in life, right? Mm. We all have, you know, it's not been around money. It's been around learning. And then if there's something really good, a good nugget, I'll share it. Mm. So yes, as a buyer's agent, I think we could do better also around the space. And so, again, our education workshops are available for REWA members and non-members. You can be a mum and dad and rock up, pay and book. And
0: I would uh, say to anyone, go and do your courses. The, I I think they are by far and away the best CPD courses I've ever done. You've been around um, a long
1: time. That's a big, big, yeah, big thing. Well,
0: well, I've done your you know, the the one that you do with Sid, uh, so you know the, the R co- the,
1: And
0: the, the R codes one yeah. with
1: Malcolm Mackay, Rihanna War and Simon Blackwell, all urban designers architects. These
0: are just uh, they they are seriously good courses. Thank you. Uh, and
1: uh, A lot of thoughts been and I can tell you right now, every bloody time we do a course, something changes, like the government's medium density codes. And we've had to rewrite the resource book and, and everything else. So, yeah, it, we put a lot of time and effort into our course material to ensure it's relevant and meaningful to my fellow real estate agents in Western Australia. And Rewa has been amazing. Mm. Neville Pozzi, who, as you know, was in that seat for a long time, 40-something years he was, um, and of course, CEO, he understood that, you know, he's a future, He's a has a future mindset. Mm. and. It kind of makes sense to improve the quality of our homes, livability of our homes, and let's kind of get the real estate agents in front before legislation hits us across the back. So I think that's that's really great. And now with the new CEO, um, you know, working towards potentially you know enhancing these workshops and and making more of them you know available even to mum and dads because as members of the institute, that's our bread and butter. Because a lot of people just don't.
0: Simply don't understand the relationship between the way a window faces and their energy bill, or their you know their choice of hot water system and their energy bill. They just pay the bill and exactly they they just go oh, okay. Well, it sucks, but I just pay the bill.
1: But for those that are not, their awareness is not there. Mm. But once they do become aware, because they want to actually do something to their end. Bill, mm. they can't afford or need to start saving. They'll start to look at things like this. So, a real estate agent entering the house saying, "Wow, you know, you've, I've seen you've done some retrofits. You've got a double glazed windows. That you know, I understand that's quite a, a a high cost. You know, that's a wonderful retrofit. We'll make sure we market that when we s- list it.
2: Mm-hmm. They're
1: going to go. That's probably the only agent that's probably mentioned that in the still. Mm. or in the early days of agents getting excited about this sort of stuff. And we're talking about design features. We should know these features. Mm. And you've been through our full day, seven hour, seven CPD workshop. We don't go into technical, it just, my brain glazes over with technical information. I'm not an architect or a builder, but as a real estate agent, we have simplified that wonderful and optimize those sort of features through our content and through that awesome lecturer that we have, mm. the architect, Sid mm. too, so that people walk away going, yeah, I can talk about that really comfortably. I know what that feels like because I live in a house and I know the difference.
0: Yeah, so that's um, interesting you should mention Sid. Like he is a quality lecturer. Like he, he loves he, it. He, he's, he's very, very good. And he's also uh, a very the, good architect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he, he's, uh, like He's seriously good at his craft. I'm just mindful of time. I know that you've got to get out of here and get to another appointment. Once again, congratulations on being elected to Rewa Council. It's um, it's an honour. It, actually, yeah, and I believe that you've just had a dinner uh, with your, your newly minted fellow councillors and
1: all um, amazing people who just like me want to share. Um, it'd be great to see more candidates in the years to come. Maybe mm. yourself, if you know. Uh, If you have the time for it, Um, again, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to give back uh, and also help improve, Mm. continuous improvement. That's what sustainability means to me, continuous improvement. Everything we do doesn't have to be always this environmental green focus. There are those other pillars, the financial and the social aspects. Yeah. Mm. So continuous improvement is great. And yeah, Reword definitely do work very hard. For consumers who Mm. are our customers, and of course, their members, because if their members are better trained, better educated, supported, they're going to do a better job at the end of pipe. Mm. Kiara,
0: if people want to get hold of you, talk to you, um, find out more about you, what you can do for them, where would they go?
1: Places they can email me info at greengurus with an s g u r u s dot com dot au, or get onto LinkedIn and just. Just subscribe or link in or connect with Green Gurus. There is a Green Gurus or myself because I have my own personal viewpoints on things. So Kiara C-H-I-A-R-A, Pacific with an I at the end. Pashifishi, always a hard one uh, to pronounce and I'm cool with that. So yeah, those two channels.
0: Kiara Pashifishi.
1: <laughs> well done.
0: Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, it's been a real uh, privilege. I know you're very busy, uh, but it's been, this has been really educational. So,
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Thank you. <laughs> and uh, until the next episode of the WA Property Podcast, this is Peter Fletcher. And that wraps up another episode of the WA Property Q&A. We hope you found our discussion valuable and gained some valuable insights into the world of property buying in Western Australia. Remember, while we strive to provide useful information, it's crucial to consult with the appropriate professionals before making any investment decisions. Don't forget to tune in next week for another exciting episode where we continue to unravel the mysteries of the WA property market. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. Until then, Happy property hunting and remember to seek the right advice for your personal circumstances. Thank you for listening.